We are ducks, and ducks fly together. That's right, Jan. And just when you think they're about to break apart, ducks, ducks fly, fly together. together! And when the wind blows hard and the sky is black, ducks fly together! And when the roosters are crowing and the cows are spinning circles in the pasture, Okay. Ducks And when everyone says it can't be done, ducks fly together. Welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez. I'm here with John Downing. Marty's taking the week off, and we're going to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. Johnny, how's it hanging? It's okay. It's, you know, I'm coming to grips with the fact that the Patriots season is coming to an end and their Super Bowl run is over as far as... uh, the you dynasty know, as as is finished. Goes, the dynasty is finished. Apparently, <laughs> you know, if, you, if you've seen the worldwide leader, any ESPN shows this week. I know Monday, Monday morning, it was a Golic and Wingo and the Mike Greenberg Get Up show, and then First Take. They all led their shows off out of everything else, not the 49ers Ravens game, but the Patriots and how Tom Brady stinks and the dynasty is over and Rex Ryan making wild proclamations about this is you know the worst Patriots team, and he wishes he was coaching because he would love his chance to beat this team. And I I just don't understand the need for all these pundits to be first to declare the Patriots dynasty dead and done. Well, when you're at the top of the mountain, the only only place to go is down. And in the culture, uh, clickbait culture that we have right now, you know, the the first to call it gets gets to call that they called it. You know? I know, but eventually Max Kellerman and his Cliff proclamation from, what, five, maybe six years ago now, eventually he'll be right. Right? Mm-hmm. Eventually that's got to hit. And I just feel like there has to be a, a, a take deadline, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> a deadline where your take from whenever it was made has to expire and you can't use it anymore. But, you know... That once he, Brady does fall off a cliff, it is if it is now, you know, he, he's using it. And thank God, I never thought I'd say this. Thank God we have Stephen A. to the rescue, offering <laughs> Brady a little sympathy. I liked his quote this week. So. Stephen A. Smith with a little bit of logic and compassion. Uh, who would have thought? <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's get right into it. Uh, Johnny, you want to start us off? Uh, episode 43. What's your 43 today? Okay, um, I am going to go with... Hall of Fame pitcher Dennis Eckersley. He does the broadcast now for the Red Sox game. So if you're younger, you may not have known Eckersley when he was pitching back in the day. He did uh, get drafted in the third round by the Cleveland Indians. Uh, He made his Major League debut in 1975. Uh, Then he ended up getting traded to the Red Sox before the 78 season. And he pitched for the Red Sox until 1984. And then from the for the Cubs from '84 to '86, where he developed a really bad drinking problem, uh, he ended up going to rehab after family and friends videotaped Eckersley drunk and played it back for him. And he realized he was at a crossroads in his life and needed to make some changes, so he did. Um, uh, but the Cubs were all done with him, so they traded him to the Oakland A's, where he became 
uh, transition from a starting pitcher, which he was in all this previous time as a pitcher, to a closer for the Oakland A's. And that's where he kind of reinvented himself. He had just established a new pitch, a slider, because his fastball velocity had been declining. And he went on to post to the Hall of Fame numbers that he, he went on to to have. And I think he's most best known as his time for as a closer for the A's and losing game one of the World Series to the Dodgers when Kirk Gibson uh, famously hit the home run off him to win the game for the Dodgers. And if you didn't know, the he Eckersley himself coined the term walk-off home run after that hit. Um, so now you people always say when someone hits a home run to end the game and they call it a walk-off home run, well, it comes from Eckersley. Well, he coined that term? Yeah. I did not know that. And uh, Eckersley, he coins a lot of... A lot of good, interesting baseball terms like high cheese, sneak, <laughs> sneaky cheese, you know, for a pitcher who has, um, you know, late fastball life or a fastball you wouldn't expect. Uh, anyway, all, Eckersley went on to uh, pitch for the A's until 1995. He was the 1992 Cy Young Award winner, along with being the 1992 American League MVP, which is quite the... Uh, Honor being a relief pitcher and getting both the Cy Young and the MVP. You, you don't see that nowadays. Um, and so accuracy, once he was done with his time as an Oakland A in 1995, he cl- pitched for the Cardinals as a closer in 96 and 97, and then ended up signing with the Red Sox in 1998, serving as the setup man to uh, Red Sox closer Tom Flash Gordon, and then accuracy ended up retiring after that. He was a six-time All-Star uh, 1989 World Series champion with the A's. He was the two-time American League Rollades Relief Man Award winner in 1988 and 1992. He led the um, Major League Baseball in saves both of those years. He also pitched a no-hitter on May 30th, 1977. He is in the Oakland A's Hall of Fame with his number 43 retired. He's in the Boston Red Sox Hall of Fame. And he, of course, is in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. He was inducted in 2004, receiving 83.2% of the votes on the first ballot. Uh, so, Dennis Eckersley, that's my 43. Awesome. Now, I've been I've been eyeing this number for a long time. Been looking forward to it. J- just the same as I'm sure you looked forward to episode number 12 or episode number... 33, 34. Yeah. <clears throat> just all the, all the big ones. You know, so... I'm, I'm going with, with a man who means a lot to Pittsburgh, uh, a man of unparalleled speed and agility, uh, with great hands, a handsome man with great hair, uh, uh, a man who brought two championships back home to Pittsburgh. Of course, I'm talking about Connor Sherry. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Way to no-sell me, John. Yeah, what's that all about? Actually, <laughs> of course, I'm going with Troy Palomalo. Strong safety. Uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, played his entire career with us. Uh, he uh, was USC in college, uh, where he was an All-American. He was selected 16th overall by the Steelers in the first round of the 2003 NFL Draft, uh, trading up from the 27th spot. Uh, he is one of only two safeties ever drafted by the Steelers in the first round, the other being... I don't know. Terrell Edmonds. <laughs> oh, jeez, I, I wouldn't have got that. Is Terrell Edmonds, Edmonds, Virginia Tech? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It was uh, last year. Yep, okay. 
Uh, he's done five commercials for Head & Shoulders. He signed a five-year contract with Suave. And Procter & Gamble has a $1 million insurance policy on those luscious locks, claiming the record for the highest insured hair. And also, I don't know if you know this, John, uh, he actually voiced, gave his voice for a small role in the film Moana, the Disney film. That makes sense. He is an eight-time Pro Bowler, four-time All-Pro, two-time Super Bowl champ, 2010 Defensive Player of the Year. In 158 games played, he had 32 interceptions, 398 yards, three touchdowns, 14 forced fumbles, seven fumbles recovered, 778 combined tackles with 581 solo and 12 quarterback hits. Troy Polamalu, again, one of those guys that you just loved about those championship Steelers teams. Great playmaker. I think what we've missed in the Killer B era was a playmaker on the other side of the ball like Troy. He always made the big plays in the playoffs. I remember it, him intercepting uh, Peyton Manning in big games. Yeah, it was just he would come on with the big plays when he needed it most. And you loved you loved watching those safety blitzes where he would. I mean, he got flagged a lot for it too because sometimes he'd jump it. But he, you know, the the quarterback would be under center. They'd barely have the ball in the hand their hands, and all of a sudden. Troy Polamalu has jumped over an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman who were both standing up, and he flies all the way over them and just, you know, tackles them. So much fun to watch. Uh, you'll never see uh, a player like that again. And they're doing defensive backs in the next uh, NFL 100 greatest players. And I sure hope he makes it on that list. Well, of course he will. He may He may not. Wait, He's... so what are they doing? Top? They do top 12, right? Yeah, but the defensive backs are being split between corners and safeties. Oh, that's good. So, yeah, he definitely will. I mean, safeties, sure. I mean, Ronnie Lott, Ed Reed. Yeah, absolutely. He'll be there. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here first. Okay, moving right along. I just wanted to mention briefly a little bit of hockey news. I was telling you about it earlier, Johnny. It's kind of like hockey's Me Too movement. So, since the dawn of time, hockey has been one of those sports where the coaches are kind of notoriously mean play head games yell and scream and a very passionate fuck you not fuck you kind of sport and um bill peters the well now um former coach of the calgary flames was thrust into the spotlight on the heels of mike babcock's firing and people starting to to let go what a piece of shit he was and uh, it came out that about a decade ago, Akeem Aliu, a Nigerian-born hockey player, uh, wound up as an immigrant in Canada. So, you know, there's not a lot of ice in Nigeria. But anyways, was running the locker room music and had some hip-hop going or some rap. And um, Bill Peters didn't like it and said, turn this N-word stuff off or turn this N-word shit off. Uh, like in a couple different ways, he, he rephrased it again because everybody was like, what the fuck did you just say? He's like, I'm just sick of all this N-word shit, you know? And uh, he was confronted by it by the team captain and he doubled down uh, on his statements and then proceeded to kind of bury this guy in the system, didn't give him a lot of playing time. Um, and, and then also as this st- stuff started coming out, uh, Czech-born defenseman Michael Jordan, uh, not the Michael Jordan, 
Michael Jordan. But it looks like Michael Jordan. Looks like Mike. Well, it's M I C H A L. Michael. Oh, okay. Michael Jordan. Uh, anyways, he was saying that he'd been physically attacked by Peters several times, kicked, punched in the head, that kind of stuff. And uh, so Calgary, you, you know, put him on put him on leave, took him out of, of the system pending an investigation, and ultimately he wound up resigning. But just on the heels of that, I think there's been a lot of people coming out about not only stuff that he's done, but stuff that Mike Babcock has done. And uh, like a story has come out that in Mitch Marner's rookie year, he sat him down and made Mitch write a list of all of the players on the team in order from laziest to least lazy. And if, if that's not a, enough of a mind fuck for this poor rookie, very skilled rookie too, you know, him and Matthews carrying the team sort of fighting over, over leadership of the team. Uh, this being the pre Tavares, uh, Leafs. He then proceeds to read this list out loud in the locker room to the other players, you know, just, just a real piece of shit. So, um, there's stuff coming out about other coaches and it's a real, moment i think where the culture of hockey is really starting to change and you know they've already taken a lot of that out of youth sports where the coaches can't be i mean i'm sure your football coaches were very hard on you i know mine were oh yeah you know like if you didn't try hard enough you didn't get a water break kind of stuff you know can't do that in in this in this day and age and i think that's largely a good thing but we are going some to of it is i some of it i feel like is good for the sh- you know structure well yeah i mean having a ca- human being having know, accountability and- yeah absolutely i believe that but but yeah you're right some some coaches go too far yeah and if we're painting with a broad brush i think we're painting in the right direction yeah and yeah, so that's that's what I have to say. Other than the Penguins continue to be incredibly hurt, it's just unbelievable. But they're hanging in there, so that's yeah. Happy. And the Bruins are going for eighth eighth win in a row tonight. Pasternak's got twenty five goals in twenty seven games. He is on fire. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Is he like the second coming of Alex Ovechkin? Like his scoring touches, his, his unbelievable. pace is ahead of Ovechkin's pace when Ovechkin scored all those goals. The sixty goal season. Yeah, I think he had sixty five one year, and he's ahead of that pace. And then he had another year where he had sixty, and he's you know ahead of that pace too. So it's not gonna. I mean, I think it'd be an upset if he didn't reach sixty goals at this point. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you saw the tear that Patrick Laine was on last year. True. And then you know, but Pasta's been trending this way. You know, mm-hmm. his career arc is has been going this way. So it seems like, and he's unstoppable from that point. That point shot, it, there's, it's just like he sets. It just up, comes in so fast. He sets up there, and it is in the net. Boom, Johnny. I got a stat for you. You're gonna love this. Fewest games played to 25 goals since 1989. David Pasternak, 27 games ahead of Yamir Yager. Wendell Clark, also 27 games, and just behind, Pat LaFontaine, Kevin Stevens, Yamir Yager in a different year, Brett Hall, Mario Lemieux, and Cam Neely. A lot of penguins on that list. Yeah, well, you know. Not bad. Yeah. In good company. Definitely. Definitely in good company. I love Cam Neely. 
one of the things that really have impressed me about Pasternak, you said he's always trending upward. It's yeah. it's like he's, um, and I think we talked about this at the beginning of the year, it's like he's upgraded. So when a rookie comes in, you expect them to be what they are, right? And then the next year, you expect them to take a big leap forward after having been in the year and dealt with the full season and kind of seeing what it's like and then being able to be fully prepared for the next season knowing what to expect. They take a big step. And then after that, they usually kind of plateau a little bit. Right. But it seems like each year he's kind of taken another step forward. Building. And I don't know if that's coaching or what because it seems like there's a couple of players on the team that that are doing that. Brad Marchand is another one. Yeah, Marchand's out. That keeps trending upwards. Just but, when you think he reaches his ceiling. I think that part of that goes to the point where Pasternak hasn't been the same player in the playoffs. He's been, at at times, you know, he's been a negative for the Bruins in the big playoff games. And to be known as one of the elite players in the game, you have to show up when it matters most. And at least not be a negative. And so you, that's why you've seen he, he added some muscle this year in the offseason. And... He's doing all the things necessary to improve his game, and I think that's, you know, for if you want to be on a star trajectory, he's on his way, and mm-hmm. it, it speaks volumes about, you know, him as a person that he keeps getting better, and hopefully this year in the playoffs he'll keep ascending. Uh, the one player on the Bruins who hasn't taken the next step forward that I thought would is McAvoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully we we'll see that from him eventually next. D is so hard, especially for young guys. I mean, if you look to the league, even seven or eight years ago, you hardly ever saw rookie defensemen breaking into the league. They would really keep them down in the minors and develop them, and they would come up when they're you know twenty three, twenty four. So. I, I think you can expect to see some growing pains from him, and he's also battled some pretty severe injuries. I think a lot of people, Bruins fans, expected McAvoy to be the number one D guy this year on the team. And, you know, he plays in that role, but he just hasn't been, I think, what a lot of people thought as the number one D guy. So, we'll see. I mean, as a Bruins fan, we really don't have much to complain about. You know, they had their little skid in November, which I think a lot of people expected, you know, after the Stanley Cup hangover when they lost a few games in a row and had a real crummy 10 days. But now they're back on track, and I think there's a lot of good character going on in that team. And like I said, they're going for their eighth win in a row tonight, and they lead the NHL in points. So uh, they are making themselves... A must-see TV priority in the Boston area, which is so hard to get on the map in a town that has the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, and the Bruins are, you know, often been the fourth team in town, or you wait until January to watch hockey in this town, but the Bruins have made it so... Must-watch television. You gotta, you gotta see what they're doing, and... It's impressive. Like last be- last week, they went to Montreal and they beat them eight to one. Oh, just I mean, totally to beat, beat your the rivals off, off of Montreal. Montreal. I mean, that's yeah. just. I know people in Boston loved that. So, well, speaking of beating the wheels off of your opponent, John Heinze uh, got fired after just getting demolished by the Buffalo Sabers. To bring up Connor Sherry, Connor Sherry scored his second goal of what I believe was five goals that were scored in the first period of that game. And they have an awesome um, shot 
snapshot of him celebrating his goal by basically giving the like shrug emoji face like i don't know <laughs> like it's almost too easy um so yeah so they let him go and, and you brought up a rumor uh earlier before we started recording that you heard they might be dealing taylor hall and see so, yeah, his name popping up a lot of times on the on the alerts for hockey so yeah, I mean, he's in the last year of his contract. There's ne- next to no chance of him re-signing. Um, and especially with the firing of the coach. New Jer- yeah, New, New Jersey is definitely ready for a rebuild. Uh, too bad they got that ugly P.K. Subban contract on their books. Mm. Um, Whatever happened to him, man? Not to go off on a tangent, but, you know, he came into the league with so much personality and charisma, and, you know, and then Montreal signed him a ridiculous contract, gets out from underneath it, goes to Nashville, goes to a Stanley Cup, and then... Well, he started started making fun of Sidney Crosby's breath, and the hockey gods just fucking smote (laughs) him. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, did you hear that... Edmonton would be a possible landing spot for Taylor Hall. That would be crazy because they are the ones who traded him. Yes, but it is it is a different GM and a different coach now. Right. And we'll see. Man. I mean, it'd be interesting to see him paired with McDavid. Oh, God, yeah. Can you imagine? Well, they, he probably wouldn't be paired with McDavid because right, he has Right, on Dreisaitl. the same team, yeah. Yeah, but can you imagine having Taylor Hall on the second line no. of that team? If only they could have any goaltending. All right, that's enough hockey for now. Let's get into the week that was. Johnny, on a personal note, both of us had really good weeks for picks. I ended the week with 10. You ended the week with 9. In our league with Marty, uh, that puts me one ahead of you. I'm I'm finally solo in first place. I've been steadily gaining over the last... um, couple weeks and do you think us talking about picks on a weekly basis is kind of tilting us in the same directions i i think it does but also i don't um i don't reference the podcast i certainly don't listen to it uh while i'm making my own selections and i don't remember (laughs) so so i think i think we talk about the teams and i have a good sense of of what I think they're going to do. I just hate when I blow the easy picks, man. Like Seattle last night. I mean, I guess it turned out to be a close game. They only won by seven. But, you know, Seattle was minus two and a half last night. You know, I was mad at myself for... And I took Minnesota because I'm like, why the hell... The fishy line. It's a fishy line. It's yeah. a fishy, sketchy line. And I, I know from experience that Vegas does not want to give out free Monday, especially on a Monday night... Where Monday night, it, like in the history of gambling, you know, the week goes from uh, Tuesday to Monday. So if you've lost a ton of money, say you've lost $2,000 gambling on Sunday, you've got one more day to make that up on Monday night football. One more day, one more game, or you got to pay the bookie on Wednesday. <laughs> so Monday night is get back night. And Vegas doesn't give out freebies, especially on Monday night football. Get back night. So if someone's down two thousand dollars, they're just gonna bet two thousand dollars on the Seahawks minus two and a half. No, that's a trap. 
I, I mean, I know from experience where you'll instead of owing the bookie two grand, you own four grand. Yeah, but is know? that is the is the line closer if Stefan Diggs doesn't go out or not? Uh, Stefan Diggs. Adam Thielen's been out. He's been out. Not just Thielen. Um, who was the other guy that left? Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Yeah, but the line was set before he, he was playing. He played until the third quarter. Right, but they were in the lead at the beginning of the third quarter, would they not? And then, yeah, they did have a halftime lead, and he would have, you would have, he was having some good production. So yeah, oh, he's been a monster all but year. Potentially, they could have put another two field goals on the on the board there. Maybe, and you know what, Dalvin Cook, his the fumble, the injury, the injury play that he went out on. That was the turning point in the game because right after that, the Seattle scores a touchdown, and then they they got they start a pile on after that. That play was the turning point in last night's game. Mm-hmm. You know what they say, John? Uh, lines are a lot like punani. If they smell fishy, you should probably just stay away from them. Yeah. No, I I agree. I agree. But Seattle it seems to me like they're involved in a lot of games like that this year. Granted, all their wins have been one score. All, all their wins have been one score games. They play in a lot of close games. But like the week before, Seattle was at Philly and they were only favored by one. And they, you know, they win and cover barely. And then the, this week, it's two and a half at home in a tough place to play. Seattle against Minnesota. Minnesota. Kirk Cousins was zero and seven on Monday Night Football. Why would anyone take the Vikings? Right? <laughs> Why did you take the Vikings? Because two and a half. <laughs> right. Uh, like, I'm not going to be that sucker, but I was. <laughs> well, we'll dive right into the week that was, and let's flip this on its head. We'll go uh, We'll go backwards this time. We'll start We'll start from the, the last game and go backwards, just, just, to, just to mix things up today. All right. Uh, and we'll start with a hilarious thing Joe Tessitore said. As the rookie, Decaf Metcalf, DK Metcalf coughed it up. <laughs> All right, so Decaf Metcalf, after, he, after his fumble there... That's when Minnesota was able to start coming back because they were down by 17, and then they turned it into a four-point game uh, after that, um, le- leading stemming from that decaf Metcalf fumble. But I just <laughs> I we... couldn't believe you said it. it just I was la- I was like giggling to myself laying in bed. Yeah. Um, it was funny. And then I get a text from you, and it made me laugh even harder <laughs> that it was cracking you up. Decaf Metcalf. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was our last contested pick of the week. Just a quick review. When we recorded the last podcast, the Ravens-Rams game hadn't happened yet. And God damn it, we couldn't have been more wrong mm. about a game. I thought this was going to be another instant classic. Uh, instead, it wasn't. It was a Ravens La- beatdown. Lamar Jackson wag your dick around party. Yeah. Uh, they won 45-6. to six. You had chosen the Rams in that game and, and Marty uh, pulled ahead on contested picks in the week four to two inching up to you uh, the score now sitting at 30 to 33 so here we are adding more to the Marty Ernesto side versus the Johnny side you add Minnesota plus three and of course they lost 30 to 37. Yep. Yep. Okay. Anything to add about that game? Uh, nope. I just thought it was a really good game as far as, like, quality of play on the field. You know, I just thought, you know, the defenses made some unbelievable plays. Uh, the athletes on both sides. You know, I love watching 
Chris Carson runs so hard. El Russell Wilson, such a great playmaker. Uh, Rashad Penny is now, you know, he's a nice little addition to the running game for they Seattle. They got a good, they got a good running back duo there, man. That's they do. that's scary. Yeah, that's it's scary. like thunder and lightning. You got the the hammer, the hammer with uh, Carson and the quick little jukey guy and, and Rashad Penny. Uh, they both have their fumbling issues, but if they can not turn it over, they're really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as far as the receivers go. Man, Tyler Lockett disappeared in this game. Minnesota did a good job of keeping him shut out for the game, uh, which sucks if you want him in fantasy. I know a lot of people lost their final week, regular season week matchup because Lockett didn't get any catches yesterday. I think Decaf Metcalf. Yep, he was the focal point. Yeah, he, I, I think he's playing better than everybody had thought he would after his sure. poor combine performance um i tell you as a patriots fan i'd rather have him than Nikhil harry right now yeah but russell wilson's throwing him the ball yeah so there's that too but on the the minnesota side i mean i really like this minnesota team a lot they i mean the defense is solid they have a great really good safety and who's been there for years and knows the game really well uh kind of like a younger um eric weddle is harrison smith uh, their safety from Notre Dame. He does a great job, and they do a really good job for the most part, usually stopping the run, playing defense, getting after the quarterback. They have a tremendous run game when Dalvin Cook is healthy. Sounds like he should be okay for next week against Detroit. And with Diggs and Thielen and Kyle Rudolph making great touchdown catches. and Rudolph looked great. It's just... You know, once they get Thielen back, hopefully next week, I think they, they just want to make sure they get him as healthy as possible. I just think that they are such a threat. And I mentioned last week about betting on them as a Super Bowl uh, contender possible because they have really good odds. And then on the ESPN show, Get Up This Morning, one of the guys I like, Dan Orlovsky, who knows the game really well, former quarterback uh, in the NFL, he said the same thing. And it was, made me feel a little clairvoyant, clairvoyant. But the only problem is the Vikings always Vikings-ish the game. They always miss, whether it's Cousins, whether it's Blair Walsh missing a, a pl- winning playoff kick and losing to Seattle 12-10 to at home in a freezing game, whether it's uh, the Saints connecting on a Hail Mary in the playoff game to eliminate the Vikings. The Vikings find horrific ways to lose big games. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like that always happens to them. But yep. if they can overcome that, they have the type of team that could win a Super Bowl. Booker McFarlane was talking about it, and he, he like, completely flubbed the line, though. And he was, like, he was talking about the Minneapolis Miracle, how things always go against the Minnesota Vikings, and he brought up the Minneapolis Miracle. And I was like, hmm. uh, what? <laughs> Ugh, Booker. Uh, he's bad. He is so bad. One of these days in the, in the offseason, we should come up with the, like, a definitive top 10 worst broadcasters in sports. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, that's a good off-season topic. All right. Next we have our next contested pick, New England at Houston. Uh, Houston plus three. You had chosen New England here. Man, this was a, a tough game for Tom. Just looked frustrated, looked a little bit flustered. And, and I don't say flustered in his performance on the field. He, he was It was subpar on the field. But just he was kind of a little bit unhinged on the sidelines, pleading with his receivers to be faster and more explosive, and they're not running get the right separation. routes. Yeah, they're just they're not doing the things that the Patriots' offense is used to doing. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. If if the Patriots' receivers and the offense can't get it together. 
because Tom Brady and Josh McDaniels, the offensive coordinator, are so advanced in the offensive and in this offense for so long, maybe dumb it down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at other teams incorporating their young players into the into their game, like Seattle's offense is using young players, and Russell Wilson in Seattle runs a very basic, simple offense, and it works. They're ten and two also, and they score points and they move the football with a very simple, basic offense. I don't understand why Brady and the Patriots they need to have this complex offense. I mean, I guess who am I to question or criticize? They won. There's six Super Bowls, but it's not helping the offense now. And the young guys clearly, even not even just the young guys, like Dorsett couldn't get to the second level of his route in the end zone on the first drive the other day. And then you saw Jacoby Myers making mistake after mistake. And Akil Harry, led to his, his not finishing a route, led to an interception, which led to a touchdown. And then Harry didn't see a target for the rest of the game. There are serious issues with the Patriots' offense right now and the routes and Brady not trusting his receivers there is no trust whatsoever and the offensive line is struggling to run block the offensive line is struggling to pass block for anything more than two and a half to three seconds and when, you, at a time. when he can't trust his receivers to to be in the spot he's throwing a ball to he's going to wind up in trouble because he can't get rid of the ball quickly and right. he also doesn't have the legs that I'm not sure he ever had the legs. No, he's never had that. To, but he doesn't have the legs to be able to it's always make been up a timing for that. And, offense. Right. It's always been an offense predicated on timing and being in the spot where you need to be. And if the guys aren't in the spot where they're supposed to be, it doesn't work. So if Tom Brady has that that um, internal clock going off in his head saying, I need to throw the ball by one, two, three, now, 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 now. And the guys aren't where they need to be, and he's having to look somewhere else, and it just throws the whole rhythm and timing of the offense off, and that's what you see right now. And it's been bad all year. Um, and to be honest with you, I don't know if it's going to get any better. And now, the last three or four years, we've kind of been saying that okay, well, not me personally, but the the collective we <laughs> in Belichick we trust, right? And as he sends talented receiver after talented receiver away. And continued to win. We were like, okay, it's the system. But at a certain point, it seems like now we've reached... Now with Gronk gone and Edelman clearly not at his best. You see him every time. Every time he pops up after getting tackled, he's shrugging his shoulder. He's, you know, pressing pressing on it. You can tell he's uncomfortable. He could barely lift his arms above his head. You know, a little wide receiver depth would be nice at this point. And... It just seems like... Maybe maybe Belichick's hubris. Maybe he's gotten a little bit too cute. Well, it's Brady for too because Brady's. Oh, they've. Uh, I think it started in like 2010 is when the the switch happened because it never used to be for the Patriots. Like, oh, this guy can't work out. Then they started bringing in guys like Chad Johnson, Chad Ochocinco, and Joey Galloway, and then they brought in Reggie Wayne at the end of his career. And they bring these guys in, these established veteran receivers who have had good NFL careers. Torrey Holt. They brought in Torrey Holt and at the end of their careers, and they could never grasp the offense. It's become kind of a new thing for the Patriots with their, with their, you know, Tom Brady not having time to work with the new receivers. And I think that's what's happening, man. I feel like Brady's... I know that the receivers aren't getting it, but I feel like Brady's not putting in the right time. The offense is too complicated. Yes, they're lacking talent on offense. I don't know. 
it does it does seem a little dire to me, more dire than it's been in the past. And even last year, you knew. Well, it did look dire last year too because they lost the Miami game and then they lost to Pittsburgh. They looked really bad at Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. um, and everyone was declaring them done. But and then they invented or reinvented the running game. But the offensive line was a lot better last year than it is this year. Um, you know, they've lost Trent Brown and David Andrews, their center. So the offensive line is not what it was last year. So I don't know if they're going to reinvent a, a running game like they did for the playoffs last year. And they don't have Gronk, obviously, to count on. So it was Edelman and Gronk in the, in the passing game. Now it's just Edelman. And there's nobody else that Brady really t- trusts besides him and James White. And James White, aside from the last game, he was effective in this game. But before that, they weren't. Uh, teams were using defensive backs to match up with James White. Whereas in previous years, they would take that extra defensive back and put him on Gronkowski, and James White would get a linebacker. And that would be the mismatch, would be James White getting a linebacker. This year, for the most part, James White has been... They don't... Because without Gronkowski or a competent tight end for the Patriots to use, they can take the extra DB, the defenses can, match him up with James White. And so that's no longer been a mismatch for them. So if teams do that, if you take away Edelman and White... What, what do they really have offensively? Brady mm-hmm. clearly doesn't have anyone he really trusts. Uh, it just at ten and two, it doesn't seem, it doesn't feel like they're ten and two, and it doesn't feel like they're trending in the Super Bowl direction. And but also, we'll see. Also, I feel like Sony Michelle's dropped off a little bit. He's never reached the level of what a first round pick should look like, man. You know, he just he's I mean, never he gotten a first good round last year. But he ran behind a great offensive line. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a back is only as good as their line That's unless, true, unless you're a generational Shouldn't he be talent. catching passes, too? Shouldn't he at, at some point be, that able, scheme? be able to... Yes. It should, at some point, shouldn't he be catching passes so that defenses know, oh, when Sony's on the field... They're going to run the ball, you know, because that's how it is. When you, they put Sony on the field, it's basically like an alert, alert, alert. Patriots are running the ball here. Sony's off the field. Alert, alert, alert. They're going to pass the ball here. It seems like it's a signal to the defense of what they're going to do offensively. Well, perhaps they're just uh, putting a bunch of tape out a little. I never I never count out the Patriots' misdirection I know. in the schemes. And, you know, you know Belichick's playing the long game. Right. Uh, but we should move on okay. to Oakland at Kansas City. Kansas City minus ten, they covered, and then some nine to forty. Mahomes put on a show, and also uh, Oakland just fucking sucks. They suck so bad. Well, yeah, well, Kansas City. We talked about Derek this. Carr Kansas should City be off of a bye week. I mean, Andy Reid is something like eighteen and three off of a bye week in the last twenty-one years. He, he uses that bye week, and they he uses it better than probably any other coach in the league. So, Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that was the lock of the century, but also Derek Carr should be on their way to Las Vegas. They should stop in the desert and just fucking shoot Derek Carr and leave him there. Yeah. Alrighty, next we have Los Angeles Chargers at Denver. Denver plus two and a half. Uh, winning outright 20 to 23. Kind of a boring game. Not Philip Rivers' best showing. Well, either. and then didn't the Chargers lose this game in a heartbreaking fashion? I didn't watch this game, but wasn't there like a blocked kick or something at the end or a missed field goal? All right, so actually what happened here is that the Chargers kicked a game-tying field goal with 14 seconds left. Uh, Badgley for the Chargers kicked a 46-yard field oh, goal yeah, to tie okay, the game 2020. This. And then they kick off, and the Denver guy, Spencer, returned it for 26 yards. 
And then the Chargers committed a 37-yard pass interference penalty, thus putting the Broncos in position to try a 53-yard field goal to win the game on an un- untimed uh, field goal try. So it was 20-20. to uh, So McManus for the Broncos nails the game-winning field goal, making it 23-20. So the Chargers once again finding a great way to lose a football game. Um, it, it was one of those. So it was one of those hail marys where you see it go up there, and you're like, "That's a pass interference, like bait," you know? Yeah. That's so. I mean, just the Chargers, like we were talking about with the Vikings. The Vikings always do something to lose. Yeah. Vikings this. The Chargers. The Chargers invented that. <laughs> the rough ways to lose. <laughs> oh, good times. All right. Next up, we have the Los Angeles Rams at Arizona. Uh, Arizona plus four in this game. The Rams win handily 34-7. to Jared Goff found himself in this game, uh, throwing for 424 yards, two touchdowns. Once again, tight ends have a big day against the Cardinals. Um, that's what happens against the Cardinals. Uh, I don't know why, but the Cardinals refuse to cover tight ends. Uh, Higby, seven catches, 107 yards with a touchdown. Uh, by far his best game of the season. Um, and, of course, Robert Woods, 13 catches for 172 yards. Still has yet to find the end zone yet this year. So um, I'm surprised Kyler Murray didn't play that well in this game. He did have an interception, no touchdowns. Uh, mysterious case of the missing David Johnson continues. And uh, not much else to say about this game. Okay. We have our next contested pick here. Uh, San Francisco at Baltimore, hell of a game, especially for one so low scoring. It was 17-20 to 20 in favor of Baltimore. San Francisco loses but covers. Yeah, Baltimore takes it 20-17 to 17 on a last-second field goal. Of course, Mr. Automatic, Justin Tucker, hits a 49-yard field goal to win the game. Um, you know, I thought San Francisco played well. Uh, but Lamar Jackson just can, can you know he didn't put up great stats, but he threw for a touchdown. He ran for a touchdown. He he just makes the plays when they need to be made, and you know it's it's frustrating because I kind of hate the Ravens, even though everyone else loves them right now. I hate the Ravens, obviously. Yep. But I am excited about this team. They wear purple, dude. I understand they wear purple, and you I can't like you. How you can't I, say that? You can't be a Steelers fan wearing Steelers gear and saying you're excited about the Ravens. You got to put that away. I think I'm excited to see. Put that back in the box. I'm kind of I'm kind of excited to see if Lamar Jackson is going to be a generational talent, and I also don't see the Steelers going very far in the AFC playoffs. Uh, I'll be more than elated with a first-round exit because it'll, it'll be more than I ever thought uh, was possible week three. And I think they can beat the Patriots. <laughs> so <laughs> that's 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 where I'm at. Right. Sorry, Johnny. Uh, next we have Tampa Bay at Jacksonville. Jacksonville minus one. The end of the Big Dick Nick era in mm. Jacksonville. Offici- stash. Officially named the backup for the remainder of the year in favor of Sir Stashalot Gardner Minshew. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, once again, the Jaguars are trending in the downward direction, and the Buccaneers are trending up. Jameis Winston and the Bucks' offense is looking good. Bruce Arians is doing some really nice things. And, you know, when Jameis Winston's not turning the ball over, good things seem to be happening. 
Um, one thing, Ronald Jones did get benched early in this game as the running back for the Bucks because he missed a key uh, pass block assignment. And Arians, Coach Arians said, you know, once that happens, that's it for him. So Peyton Barber took back over, ended up scoring two touchdowns after that. Uh, as far as Jacksonville goes, Fournette had another big game uh, but failed to get in the end zone. He has big end zone issues this year. Um, no running back has had more attempts from inside the 10 or the 5 yard line and failed to get in the end zone you gotta think eventually that will correct itself but unfortunately the Jags are headed in the opposite direction of where you want to go okay Washington at Carolina Carolina minus 10 what in the fuck happened here well, breaking news, Washington coach, wins 29-21. to 21. Coach Ron Rivera, longtime Panthers coach, was just fired earlier today. Yeah, I would I would say. Yeah, you don't lose to the Redskins at home. Um, yeah, so, the, you know, I didn't watch really any of this game, to be honest with you, but, you know, it looks like Darius Geis ran wild. Ten carries for 129 yards, had two touchdowns. So it looks like... Uh, Darius Geis has finally broken out. I wonder if Haskins managed to be on the field for the end of the game. Uh, he did. Oh, good for him. He did. Yep. Good for him. Uh, but, you know, the Panthers shouldn't be losing games like this at home in the spot where they needed to win. Uh, yeah, so that's it. So with this win, Washington, and this ju- this is just, just a demonstration of how terrible the NFC East is that a Redskins team is still not mathematically eliminated from playoff contention. Is that true? That is true. If they went out, get out. If they went out, and all of the other teams lose out, no, really, they're in. That's truth. I believe so. All right, let me take a quick peek here. They are three games back with four games to go of the Cowboys. <laughs> Holy cow. The Redskins are 3-9 and nine with a chance to win the division with four weeks left. The NFC East is a fucking dumpster fire. Wow. Wow, dude. Wow. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen. I, I mean, but wow. <laughs> That's crazy. A 3-9 and nine team is in week, heading into week 14 is still mathematically I mean, a set, there has been a set, the Seahawks won their division at 7 and 9 the year the of uh, when they uh, they made the playoffs they won their NFC West division and Marshawn Lynch and Beast Mode I think that was the 2011 season and they upset the Saints who were really good that year and the Saints went in and Marshawn Lynch had that insane playoff mm-hmm. run um, yeah, that was 2011. The Seahawks were seven and nine, and they won that game. So it's happened before. Washington's three and nine would need to win their last four games, which would make it a six-game win streak if they m- get in. But holy cow, it's just w- odd to see a team that you've seen be so bad all year have a chance. You just blew my mind. <laughs> okay, speaking of minds blown, moving into our next contested pick. Y'all heard the uh, intro. Ducks fly together, John. Quack, quack. Okay, Cleveland at Pittsburgh. Duck Hodges making his second professional NFL start. You had chosen Cleveland, minus one and a half, uh, and they lost 13 to 20. Freddie Kitchens was wearing the Pittsburgh started it shirt, and I'll tell you what. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I know you've heard this all week, but Pittsburgh finished it. 
what a clown that guy is. Like, how is he not fired instantly? Like, get the hell off my team, dude. Get out of here. You're a clown. You're you're not a leader of men. Like, no wonder why Cleveland sucks. We've talked about it all year long. And just when you think that they've maybe turned the corner, this fucking clown wearing that stupid shirt, Pittsburgh started it. The Your player hit a def- a, another player over the head with his own helmet. Like, let's let it go. Let's not, oh, Pittsburgh it's started it. What kind of leadership are you showing? Oh, I've just... That guy, he, Freddie Kittens, he makes me sick. You're what not a puke. The only one. <laughs> Seriously, what a joke of a human being that guy is. Cleveland. And even when they had a chance late in that game to, you know, tie it and make it closer or take the lead... You know, instead of running the ball, which is what they've been doing best, especially with Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield, what do they do? No, pass, 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 pass. What hasn't been working? They just continue to pass the ball. I mean, hey, at least they're not running fourth and nine draw plays anymore. But (laughs) what the hell? You have a running game that's working, and you're you're like, oh, no, let's put it in Baker's hands because that's gone so well all season long. I mean, just... This guy is the absolute worst. I mean, has there ever been a more unqualified, worst hire for a head coach in the NFL? I mean, I really don't think so. I mean, that that team just... Is John Dorsey perhaps on the hot seat here? He should be. Having two bust uh, head coaches in a row? You listen to your rookie quarterback tell you who your next hire should be for head coach? That That's insane. No. I mean, where's the leadership in that organization? There's none. And I can't believe they sucked me back in. And I I picked the Browns in this game, knowing full well it goes against everything I believe in as far as a human, as far as watching football and being a football <laughs> fan. Like, the Steelers are what I believe in as football. Like, overcoming adversity and, you know, putting together a solid season and fighting hard and whatever pieces you have remaining on your team and using them to the maximum of their ability to put together a winning season. It's a great story, and that's what you love about football. On the flip side, Cleveland is the complete opposite of that. They have all this talent on their team, letting it go to waste, making stupid penalties and turnovers and off-the-field bad decisions, and they're just a bunch of jokers with poor leadership wearing stupid T-shirts. And I, I... I went against that, and I took the Cleveland Browns this week only to get what I deserve, which is the Pittsburgh Steelers end up winning this game 20-13. to Thankfully, because, I mean, that restores your faith in football, right? That's what's right. That's what should have happened. <laughs> Man, James Washington had a fucking game for himself. He was... Making he, plays that that touchdown he's the deep pass. Man. He's the deep man. That touchdown pass was unbelievable. He's been doing that since OK State. That's what that's a battle catches. That's what that's what we yeah. brought him on for, and that's what he's doing now. He's had a tough couple of years. Yeah, hasn't been smooth. Him and Mason had a very tough transitions, but Washington at least is getting there. Um, and Mason, you know, he's not getting anywhere. We talked about him last week, but. Um, I think that Hodges has taken Mason's binky James Washington and said, hey, buddy, come with me. And they're developing a rapport, which is nice to see. They're going duck hunting every Tuesday, baby. Um, So nobody has given Mike Tomlin more rations of shit, certainly on this podcast. Than I have. He's gotten, you know, he's gotten a lot of heat over the past few years, and he, and and he's made a ton of terrible decisions. He, right. he has deserved a lot of that heat. But and, I will say, I want to read, I want to read some stuff to you here. Okay. Per Missy Matthews on Twitter, 
Over their last 10 games of 2019, the Steelers rank first in NFL takeaways with 28, first in QB hits with 78, first in passes defended with 65, first in forced fumbles with 17, first in fumble recoveries with 13, second in interceptions with 15, and second in sacks with 38, and tied for third in defensive touchdowns with three. Mike Tomlin's a, a, a defensive-minded coach. Yeah, sticking what what he knows and he's doing it well. I, you, if only they could get a little bit of offense, they would be a real threat. And they and they and don't forget, Ernesto. We we laughed at or chuckled about this at the time because you know we you know we didn't think ha- the Steelers having much of a season was was in play at the time. But that game that Juju fumbled the ball to start overtime to lose to Baltimore, they had Baltimore beat. Yeah. Now imagine Juju doesn't fumble the ball and they get 10 more year- yards to kick the winning field goal and beat them. A win like that looks really, really good on their resume right now. So, Do you think Do you think if they win that game, he's in Coach of the Year uh, conversation? Oh, he's in it. He's in it regardless. Regardless. I just don't. If see. they can finish nine and seven, they're they're good. The thing, but and okay, so we're gonna get into next week where they're at Arizona. The Steelers are, and that's a tricky game. But just so you know, listeners, Week 15's matchup, Buffalo at Pittsburgh has been flexed to a Sunday Night Football primetime game. Hell Who would yeah. have thought we would have been saying that Pittsburgh Buffalo <laughs> is gonna be prime time, prime time, yeah, prime time Sunday Night Football <laughs> flex? Who is Collinsworth gonna drool over in that game? Doc Hodges, Josh Allen. Hopefully Juju Smith-Schuster. I hope he has a big game there. No fumbles. No Please, fumbles. no fumbles. Just hold no. the ball. Hopefully he's just <laughs> carrying around the football with him like the like the dude from the program. You know, just, just hold that football and just carry it and don't ever let go because you're costing your team. Catch That's the ball, fighting no so hard. Catch the ball, no whammies. Catch the ball, no whammies. And Godfrey, can we get James Conner back on the field for once, please? Uh, yeah. I Well, I think the performance of Benny Snell yes. has brought him back too early. He got nervous about his job and came back too early and, got, and re-injured himself, whereas I think he should have taken another week or two off and, yeah. you know, come, come back 100%. But got to move on. Green Bay at New York Giants. New York Giants plus six and a half. And Green Bay won 31 to 13, just as you had predicted. Yeah, no surprises here. Aaron Rodgers throws for four touchdowns, two to Devontae Adams. Uh, not much to see here. Um, Saquon Barkley still struggling. Uh, again, another player that was came back way too soon from his ankle injury with the initial estimates of an 8 to 12 week timetable he came back after just uh three games in the in the third ga- third week he came back and he hasn't been a player all season and the guy that you know looked like the next great thing last season as a rookie has looked like just a shell of himself this year and you really got to hope that the giants didn't you know, allow this him coming back too soon to affect him in the future and going forward uh, because you know god man he is he's an elite talent and to see guys like that not look elite or not play elite is kind of a shame so mm-hmm. um we're get, everyone's getting robbed here not just giants fans football fans in general uh, anyway let's move on so our next installment in the nfc east dumpster <laughs> fire brigade uh philadelphia <laughs> At Miami, Miami plus nine, and they win thirty-seven to thirty-one. Yikes! Well, so I think I'm not sure if we mentioned it on last week's podcast. We may have about how there's 
a poison pill going around in the Eagles locker room. And there has been for a while. You know, in the offseason, there were reports about Wentz not being that great of a quarterback and maybe going fulls. And, you know, it was learned about, you know, Jalen Mills, the cornerback for the Eagles, has a burner account. Colin Wentz trash. Alshon Jeffrey called out Wentz and some other teammates. Uh, so there is some definite infighting Eagles issues going on in that locker room. Uh, there's a poison pill in there, and you know whether it's Wentz or Al Sean or Jalen Mills or whoever it is, uh, they're not being straightforward with one another. They're talking behind one another's backs, which I think we know in team sports that's not the key to success. Uh, so ever since they've won the Super Bowl, they are now 15 and 15. Uh, which is not something you expect to see from a team that's good enough to win a Super Bowl uh, going forward. So clearly, you know, the, the t- a team like the Eagles has talent, but like I said, that poison pill is tearing this team apart. And let's break out and give some props to the Dolphins because the Dolphins have put together a nice little season now. Fitzpatrick is playing well. Devontae Parker is turning into an elite receiver. And they're, the Dolphins are just playing hard, which is nice to see. Uh, I think that I don't know if the Tua injury had anything to do with it. <laughs> no, seriously, because dude, they were tanking for Tua, clearly. you know, They didn't. They kind of made no bones, no secrets about it, that they were tanking for Tua, and they had no wins. And then you know, now they're playing really well. And I mean, I don't really know how else to explain it, but Tua's been out for a few weeks now. so Cover zero on a third and 22. Right, 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 right. That, right, that's right. Against the Steelers. That was like a month ago. That's right. <laughs> Well, I'm happy. I'm happy to have managed not to get hurt before then. Moving on, next contested pick: Tennessee at Indianapolis. Indianapolis minus two and a half. And man, the Tannehill show continues. And Derrick Henry too. Derrick Henry is a beast. Two touchdowns. Uh, what was it like? Three hundred yards for Tannehill? No, only one hundred and eighty-two. But two, oh, almost two hundred. Two, oh, touchdowns, two touchdowns. But how about Derrick Henry? Derrick Henry is the number two rusher in the NFL to only Christian McCaffrey uh, in the last calendar year. And then in his last three games, he has one hundred and forty-nine yards, one hundred and fifty-nine yards, and one hundred and eighty-eight yards, all rushing, averaging eight point two yards a carry, then eight point four yards a carry, and then last week five point seven yards a carry. With five touchdowns in those last three games. Derrick Henry is steamrolling teams right now. That running game is really, really going well. And Tannehill has that offense playing well. And they finally broke the uh, the Colts' curse. And they defeated them for the first time in a long time in Indianapolis. And Indianapolis is a team headed in the wrong direction. I think that they've just had too much to overcome. And, you know, the injuries have mounted on the team. And, you know, without they didn't have T.Y. Hilton last week. And... You know, I just feel like they've had to overcome a lot this year, and it's finally catching up to them. And watch out for the Titans, man. Man, and- po- poor Adam Vinatieri. That's a tough look. It's tough to watch it. It's it's like when you have a really old dog, and it stops eating, and it, like the hair starts falling off, and it stinks, and you're just like, you know, you love the dog because it's you've had so many great times, and it's been the greatest dog of all time. It scored more points in the NFL than anybody else. But uh, it may be time to put her down. Oh yeah, we've 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 mentioned that before. All right, so the Titans are in the hunt. Very very nervous about the Tennessee Titans. Mm. But they don't have the easiest road forward. No. The t- Titans and Steelers have tricky games this week that you wouldn't expect to be tricky. 
Uh, but we'll get into that when we get into next week. All right. New York Jets at Cincinnati. Cincinnati plus four. I, I got a fun stat here, John. The New York Jets are the only team in NFL history that has lost to two teams that were 0-7 wow. or worse. Good for them. Oh, go Jets. <laughs> J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. Got love them. Gotta love them. Jets. <laughs> Gotta love them. Hey. Sammy D, baby. Sammy D. In other news, at least that fucking restaurant owner gets to come down from the t- from the roof of his restaurant stop living up there. <laughs> Poor guy's been up there for like s- since week five. So seven months, seven weeks. Seven weeks. That's so long to be camping on the roof of anywhere. It's not warm in Cincinnati either. No. Uh, this was uh, the Red Rifle's revenge. You know, he finally gets his job back and he, he leads the Bengals to a victory. How about that? Over the, the Jets. Every, you know, I heard some crazy Jets fans last week or saw them tailgating saying that uh, the Jets w- could win the rest of their game and make a play, win the rest of their games and make a playoff push because they had beaten the Giants, the Redskins, and the Raiders in three consecutive weeks. And they thought they would beat Cincinnati and then Miami. And I don't know if they who thought they were going to win at Baltimore against Pittsburgh or Buffalo, but they thought they had a chance. Uh, so shut up, stupid fan. <laughs> you lost to Cincinnati. Hey, um, a revival of your previous lock. Bengals at home, 1 o'clock. Boom! <laughs> you just got to have the red rifle. That's the key. <laughs> okay, now getting into the Thanksgiving Day games. Man, I had a great time uh, with this, mostly because I went 3-0 and personally on this day, and I felt like I had a couple ballsy picks on the on this day, so I was I was really feeling myself here. So when the day started, I thought David Blau was the quarterback getting his first career start for the Detroit Lions. Now, um, if any of you who know me well know that my boss, the owner's name, last name is Blau, and uh, of course in Daily Fantasy, I didn't have any Blau on any of my teams, because why the hell would I? I just heard of this guy like an hour before. Um, although he did play for Purdue, I guess, last year and beat Ohio State. Anyway, David Blau starts off the game with two touchdown passes, one a 75-yarder to Kenny Galladay, and in only a three-game slate. You know, that's kind of a slate breaker, so it made me miserable right off the bat. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> of course, only da- only, a guy- only a Blau can ruin Thanksgiving, too, you know. Uh, but so be it. Um, it. It turned out to be a great Thanksgiving after all because I was profitable. <laughs> I overcame the Blau factor. <laughs> Blau did not stop me this time. Can't stop me, Blau. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, to, to start off the three-game slate, though, we'll, um, I guess, talk about the Chicago game. You, you had chosen Chicago here. Uh, they did cover 24-20. to 20. I got lucky here. Like I said, Blau came out firing early. Blau had... What he ended up with 280 passing yards, two touchdowns, uh, both in the first quarter. Uh, Galladay with the big game, 158 yards and a touchdown. Marvin Jones Jr. with a touchdown, but Trubisky and the Bears end up prevailing. Trubisky throws for 338 yards with three touchdowns in this game. Uh, Anthony Miller had a huge game, 13 targets, nine catches for 140 yards, and uh, of course Allen Robinson continued playing well, 86 yards and a touchdown. And David Montgomery had a really nice game at running back for the Bears. Um, unfortunately, I think for the Bears, it's going to be too little, too late for them. Next, we had Buffalo at Dallas. Wow. Sorry, Marty. 
you know, I wondered about Buffalo coming into this game, and I have all year because can, can, we need to talk about this. The Buffalo's wins. Okay, you ready? The Jets, the Giants, Cincinnati, Tennessee. Okay, that's a good one. There's one. Miami, Washington, Miami, Denver. Okay, so they had eight wins coming into this game, and you would cl- classify how many of those as good wins? One and a half. Who's the half? Denver. Denver, maybe Denver. Okay, but Denver, even Denver is not not a good team. Okay, but Tennessee, that's a good win. So how good really is Buffalo? I was wondering, and I just thought Dallas would bounce back at home, but clearly there's poison in their locker room too because they are way too talented to be losing games like this at home on Thanksgiving. Yeah. And I think the Bills are better than we thought. How good? We're, we'll find out this week because they host Baltimore and the Ravens this week. So we're going to find out pretty quickly how good the Bills really are and just how bad the Cowboys are. I have a feeling that the Cowboys' problems run really, really deep. And maybe they yeah, are. So they're a really talented team, but I don't think they're a good team. They're poorly coached and they're right. losing to bad teams. Yeah. I mean, and, 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 they and haven't, we don't know about the Bills. Only, the Bills, like I said, won against good teams. The Bills have played this ridiculously easy schedule, and they've played well, and they've won their games, and that's saying something. But we don't really know how good they are. Mm-hmm. So, but we're gonna find out. You're gonna, we're gonna get our answer here soon. Next, we have our final contested pick of the week: New Orleans at Atlanta. Uh, you had chosen Atlanta plus seven. New Orleans wins twenty-six to eighteen. Yeah, this game was a blowout until Young Ho Kook had three consecutive onside kicks to finish the game. That have you ever seen anything like that in your entire no, life? No, especially not the way onside kicks are these days. Uh, so yeah, the Falcons end up putting together, you know, a nice string at the end of the game to make it a respectable score. But the Saints really dominated here and should be giving credit for a dominant win. I think Taysom Hill had a kind of a coming out party as Mister. Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? The uh, Swiss Army knife. He's the Swiss Army knife as the Saints. You know, he throws it, he runs it, he catches it, he plays special teams, he does it all. He had two touchdowns. I tried to get him a third, but it didn't quite happen. The one thing I do wonder about is Alvin Kamara. The Kamara hasn't been putting, getting, he hasn't had the season that he had the last couple years. So I'm wondering if he's going to get going at some point. I've been waiting for him to get going because, you know, pass-catching running backs have always had done well against Atlanta under Dan Quinn going back to James White and the Patriots Super Bowl. You know, pass-catching running backs against Atlanta, it's just like an automatic thing. And for Kamara to not have his breakout game in this one makes me wonder if he's going to get it right at all this year. Um, Not much else for this game. You know, Matt Ryan ended up putting up respectable numbers. Um, I think a lot of that was garbage time. Julio Jones sat this game out with an injury, and uh, that's about it. Um, it So so just a quick recap on contested picks. Marty and I nipping at your heels now, John. Uh, We went four for two this week. It's now 34 to 35. Uh Uh-oh. So I'll be picking for Marty again this week in the week that is to come. 64 picks left in the season, so we have four more weeks times 16 games a week, so that's 64 more picks for us to make. It kind of makes it seem like we have quite a, a lot of picks left, but, you know, I guess it's, it's a little little less than a quarter of the season. I think we've got like 23% of the, of the way to go. 
It's it's sure to be fun. And I love the way they've done these things where they are ending the season with divisional games. Certainly. And now I'm also hoping that Baltimore continues to kick ass so that their final game against the Steelers doesn't mean shit for them and they sit, and they sit Lamar Jackson. Well, the Steelers can beat Lamar Jackson. You can do it. You almost did it before. You had him beat. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You need to show the rest of the league how it's going to be done. You need to lay out the formula. Okay, well. <laughs> we'll get there when we get there. That's week 17. <laughs> Starting out Thursday night, we have Dallas at Chicago. Chicago is plus three home dogs. Johnny, what do you think? Battle of the underachieving teams. Six and six against six and six. <sighs> this line seems fishy. You've heard me say that before, but I'm going to go Dallas minus three. Okay. Next, we have Carolina at Atlanta. Atlanta minus three. Yeah, I'm going to go Atlanta minus three here. Carolina loses their coach. Uh, I think that the players really liked and respected him, and he was their coach for a long time. I think he was their coach for, what, nine, ten years? Uh, that's got to be a little bit of a shell shock to the system and to the players. Now they got to go on the road this week to Atlanta, a division rival. You know, Atlanta's not playing great either. So, you know, this is a, a game I would say... You know, if you're a betting man, don't Stay don't away. don't be stupid and bet on this game. But uh, if you have to pick it, I'm taking the Falcons minus three. Okay. Next we have Baltimore at Buffalo. Buffalo six point home dogs. I really wanted the Buffalo Bills to win this game here. I think. I think I don't know because the Bills are only a game behind the Patriots. So I mean, the fact that this game is being played as a Patriots fan, it's good because either the Ravens will lose and the Patriots have a chance to get the one seed back, or the Bills will lose and the Patriots basically clinch the AFC East and you know a chance at the number two seed, having the two seed. So whoever loses, the loss will be good for the Patriots. But I think I prefer the Bills to win. Because that way the Patriots can get the one seed, and then when the Patriots play the Bills in two weeks, two weeks later, they go they'll just beat the Bills then and, and win the division. So this is you're going Buffalo here? No, I'm gonna take Baltimore minus six here, but I want the Bills. Oh, okay. I was getting ready for that to be the first contested pick of the week. Nope. <laughs> All right, Cincinnati at Cleveland. Cleveland minus eight and a half. The Battle of Ohio. No way. Let's go with the Red Rocket. So the Red Rifle. Red Rifle. Sorry. Uh, plus eight and a half. This is a game that means something to both teams. I'm not really sure why because they both suck. But um, the Battle of Ohio, I guess, is what the uh, the importance is here. But these teams don't like each other. I don't like the Browns. Um, I kind of like Red Rifle. I feel like he's been doubted a lot. And now they, he's back on the field. He's going to want to pr- prove his worth because even if it's not someone to worth to Cincinnati as their quarterback going forward, maybe it's his worth to another team in the NFL. So he has something to play for here. Uh, and I don't think the Browns should be favored by 8.5 over anyone. Even if they win this game, maybe they, what do they win it by? 1, 2, 3, 4 points? I don't think they're going to win by uh, 9 or 10 or more. So, yeah, I'm going to go Cincinnati. I really like this pick, actually, too. Uh, plus 8.5. All right. Well, this is going to be our first contested pick of the week. I think Cleveland was absolutely demoralized and embarrassed coming off of a three-week winning streak. And I think they're going to come out firing here. They've got the talent to get it done and Cincinnati's terrible. So if they can keep their head together. 
But the Browns know that their the the Browns know that their play their playoff chances are now finished. They had to win, go one and zero. Like that was their third saying. They had to go one and zero the rest of the way, and to get to ten and six and make the playoffs. And now that they're five and seven, the best they can finish is nine and seven. Uh, they're a front running type team. So now that they know that their playoff chances are dead, I think that they're dead. So. All right, we'll see. We'll see. Washington at Green Bay. Green Bay minus thirteen in Lambeau. Weather's sure to be delicious there. So the Redskins need to win this game to to win the NFC East, right? Figure what you're telling this me. This game and a few more. Redskins go four zero. <laughs> <laughs> they go four zero. They finish seven and nine. They win the NFC East. That's the plan, right? That's the plan. No, I'm gonna go Packers minus thirteen. Yeah, me too. I have a feeling I'm going to be backtracking here on uh, contested picks at a certain point. Detroit at uh, Minnesota. Minnesota favored by 13. Yeah, that's a lot of points. Um, Detroit is not a good team. Yeah, well, no, they're not a terrible team. They lose a lot of close games, man. They really do. Um, You're you are what your record says you are, John. That's that saying is old as time. All right, but listen to me. Hear me out here. They lost by four, by one, by twelve, by seven, by seven, by eight, by three, by four. So they're not terrible, but uh, yeah, you're right. I'm gonna go Minnesota minus thirteen. Okay. I don't know why. (laughs) Next we have San Francisco at New Orleans. New Orleans minus two and a half. Okay, San Francisco is doing a lot of traveling east and and playing in some one o'clock games, and I think. Last week at Baltimore was no big deal, playing a 1 o'clock game back east. But I feel like this week, having to come back east again and playing another 1 o'clock game against another tough team. Did they go home? Who's physical. Um, I don't know the answer to that, but usually I would say yes. Um, you know, it's a week. You know, it's not like it was five days later, you know. Yeah. So I would say yes, but uh, I, I think having to go east... <sighs> From west to east, back west, back to east, and having to play basically at 10 a.m. back-to-back weeks and play two physical teams is going to catch up to the Niners here. I think the Saints take it at home. I get the Saints minus two and a half here. Okay, I'm going to pick the San Francisco 49ers here uh, on a bounce-back game. They got their pride hurt last week, and they're going to be looking for revenge. Okay. Next we have Miami at the New York Jets. Can the Jets hold up? Can they can they cover five and a half points? No, they're, they can't. I'm going with the Fitz magic to continue, and I'm going to go with the Dolphins plus five and a half here. Jets may win, but the Dolphins are playing hard, and I like it. I like this pick a lot. In fact, maybe you parlay the Bengals and the Dolphins. Ooh. Whoa, Whoa. baby. We call it John's turd parlay. <laughs> I know, it's like, who's betting on the Bengals and the Dolphins? If it do it this week, you'll win money, I promise. <laughs> All right, we have Indianapolis at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, minus three here. Are we finally giving up on the Colts now? Are we done with the Colts? Why is Tampa Bay minus three? I thought the Colts have been everyone's kind of darling favorite team here. Uh, well, I guess the, the, injuries, the injuries have caught up. Let's and they keep losing. And Tampa Bay is a team on the rise, I feel like. Mm-hmm. I feel like the, they're the trending team, upward. they're rallying and they've... I'm going Tampa minus three here. Okay. I like it. Alright, next we have Denver at Houston. Houston favored by nine. Yeah, I'm going to go Denver... Pl- uh, yeah, Denver plus nine here. Uh, this is a case of 
Houston just won their Super Bowl, beating New England for the first time in nine tries. Uh, former Patriots assistant coach beats Bill Belichick for the first time. Basically, you know, the Texans won their big Super Bowl in Sunday Night Football, and it's a letdown week. Yeah, will the Texans win? Yes. Um, but i like the Broncos to cover the plus nine. The line aside, do you think Denver has a chance of winning this game? Um... Yes, because the Texans are stupid. Even at the beginning of that Patriots game, they were committing bad penalty after bad penalty, trying to help the Patriots. And they make they just make a lot of stupid mistakes for a team that should be better. And I think that just goes back to coaching. And we've seen how coaching and, you know, mismanaged players can hurt teams. With, like, watch the Cowboys, we watch the Eagles, you know. So we watch how it can affect a team. I think the Broncos do have a chance. If I were to rank my... My, my crazy picks this week, I would rank them um, probably Bengals 1, Dolphins 2, Broncos 3 in that order. Um, but, hey, I like them all. Okay. Kansas City at New England. New England only favored by 3 here. Okay. I've, I'm going to take the Patriots minus 3 because I came up with the, the thing and the thinking that you know, you've, over the last 20 years, you've made money and been profitable and been a, you know, it's been like a Patriots mutual fund if you bet on the Patriots on a weekly basis. So it just seems like, to me, it's been the thing to do. It's the trend to play. Uh, it's a bounce back spot. But I, I honestly, I like the Chiefs here. Honestly, like, if we're speaking honestly, I like the Chiefs here to win this game. All right, so but you- my pick is Patriots minus three. <laughs> okay. I'm contesting it. <laughs> I just see a lot of the same problems that that cropped up against uh, Houston, cropping up in this game against Kansas City. You know the what I, what lack I, of offense, you know, offensive issues for the Patriots. The Chiefs' defense has gotten better. Uh, mobile quarterback who can spread the ball around the field and uh, use utilize uh, throwing to the running backs and the tight ends, which is what the Houston did very well. You know, throwing to Duke Johnson and the tight ends. Uh, because the Patriots linebackers are slow, um, so they struggle to cover the tight ends and running backs. Mahomes can take advantage of that. Andy Reid will take advantage of that. Um, so I think I think all of the good football in this game is going to be played on the New England defensive side. It's going to be the high-powered Kansas City offense against the high-powered New England defense, and then and then the struggling New England offense against the poorest Kansas City defense. So, but the same, um, Kansas City defense is getting better. Chris Jones is looking um, like, you know, not quite Aaron Donald-ish, but he's looking almost like Aaron Donald-type as far as good players on the defensive line. And I think the Patriots' offensive line is going to struggle to contain him. And if you get Brady sped up, then that's cause for concern. So, yes, I'll take Patriots minus three and stick to my word and my mutual fund program here. We're betting on the Patriots, but I like the Chiefs. All right. Next we have the L.A. Chargers at... Jacksonville Jaguars, the return of the mustache, uh, getting three points here. I don't like this game. Gives me, uh, stresses me out. It's like, who's going to find the, uh, uh, the way to lose this game? I'll, I'll go Rivers and the Chargers minus three here. I don't feel good about it. Okay. Next we have Tennessee, the Tannehill Titans at Oakland, uh, just caught in quicksand spiral. Yeah, why? The Oakland t- plus three. Titans are minus three here. I love that, but it scares the hell out of me. Right? The Titans are, are they're steamrolling teams, and the Raiders are on the downward trend here. This should be the bet your house game, right? Mm, uh, it's not. 
it's scary. This game scares me, and the next one scares me. I mean, these seem like the two obvious picks of the week, the Titans and the Steelers. These two games seem like the the locks of the week as far as bets, but uh, locks of the, you know, these obvious picks have been kind of coming through more often this season, so maybe maybe they'll continue. I'm going to go Tennessee minus three. Okay. And we have Pittsburgh at Arizona, Arizona two and a half. Does that line not scare you? You've told me before they don't play well out west. We don't play well out west. I would love to see what our defense does against a rookie quarterback. Yeah, it should be ugly. It should be Steelers by like five in this game. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to go Steelers here too. I'm going to go Steelers minus two and a half. But Well, I certainly can't contest that. Uh, so I gotta I gotta contest something up top, and I am going to say that Buffalo covers. Okay. Buffalo Buffalo covers uh, plus six. All right. Moving on, Seattle at the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams only getting one point here. Yeah, call me a foolish, foolish man because I'm gonna keep betting it against the Seahawks, and it's going to cost me, you know, until the season's over. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Rams plus one here because I don't understand this line. Shouldn't Seattle be a favorite by four or five in this game, or maybe at least three? No? No? Yeah. Yes, I'm... right. They should. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. This is, I, like, I don't feel like nobody's going to give me free money. You have to work for your money, but... Maybe Seattle just is the free money team this year. Okay, well, I'm going to take the free money and contest it. <laughs> take it. Final, take that free money. Final game of the week here. Boo, what an ugly-ass game. New York Giants at Philadelphia, the NFC East dumpster fire extravaganza continues. You know where I'm going here. I mean, Philadelphia minus eight and a half. Okay, if you're following my picks this week, you, you'll know that I am going with the Uglies this week. I am taking the Giants plus 8.5 against the dysfunctional Eagles team. Because why bet on a dysfunctional team? I don't want to do it. <laughs> well, neither do I, but I'm going to contest it anyways. I mean, and these two teams freaking hate each other. There's, that's why they're on Monday Night Football, because these teams have a history rivalry that goes back 50 years of hatred here. No matter what their records are, these two teams absolutely hate hate each other so just to beat the other one is a big statement here and i feel like the eagles aren't equipped to beat anyone by eight and a half we just saw what happened to the dolphins uh so yeah i'm going giants plus eight and a half and so if we're ranking my crazy picks this week i'm gonna go (laughs) Bengals plus eight and a half one i'm gonna go giants plus eight and a half as my number two uh then i'm gonna go with the um dolphins plus five and a half as my third favorite and the Broncos plus nine as my fourth favorite. I'm liking some big dogs this week. Let's Woo. go, big dogs. Big dogs. Parlay those big dogs. Take the all the big dogs on the money line to win the game outright. I think uh, the big dogs will cash in this week. Okay. Well, that's going to do us for this week. Thanks so much for listening. We appreciate all of y'all out there. Uh, Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, share, tell your friends, interact with us on our Facebook at GreenMTSports. If you want to yell at Johnny on Twitter, you can do that at GreenMTGrinder on Twitter. And you can get us on Instagram too. 
Uh, we try and put up funny stuff and, and start arguments and have a good time. If you have anything that you'd like to hear us talk about or if you have questions that you want to hear us answer on the show, uh, hit us up on any of the platforms and we'll be happy to do that. All right, Johnny, have a good week. All right, man. Yeah, have a good week. Get, um, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, we'll see you later.